Hey, 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 y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in for another week of Sanctified. We are so glad that y'all are here. But before we get into the show, we wanted to connect with y'all, our sanctified community, and offer some words of love, hope, and affirmation during this holiday season. That's really good, LaVon. We need some hope and some love in the holiday. Mm -hmm. I've always loved to be able to be with my family. And I learned that, you know, God gives you the family you're born into, and then God also gives you friends that become your family. Mm-hmm. And I remember my first holiday season that I couldn't be with my family. I was in grad school. So, you know, I really ain't had no money. I was at the point where I didn't want to ask for money just to go home. And so I felt like I was stuck in California for the holidays with zero family. And I felt terrible. I felt sad. I felt lonely. Ciao. And then it's like God showed me who are all these people that are your friends? Why do you not see that I have provided for you? I have friends that have become my family. And so I like to remember to be grateful. I like to remember, while I may not always be able to be with my blood family, God has blessed me with so many others that have become my family through the years. Just love yourself and know that you are not alone. I agree with you. You know, I consider family to be biological, spiritual, and otherwise. That's why, regardless of where you are on the spectrum of naming and claiming and celebrating holidays, we can all agree that this is a very tender time of year (laughs) for numerous reasons. Absolutely. I, for one, learned a long time ago that not going home to be with my biological family was the healthiest thing for me as a grown woman adult and especially as the eldest daughter of Caribbean immigrants. Like there's a lot of pressure to show up and be on and partake. And, you know, we've been going through a global health crisis going on three years now. Yeah. The energy that you do have can absolutely be put towards a friend's giving or a gal's giving or whatever black women call it. Salon in full effect. Period. And so, (laughs) you know, for those of you who have thought out Mariah Carey, we see you. For those of you who are trying to hold on to Halloween a little longer, we see you. For those of you who can't wait for the Christmas service and Advent and all the liturgical pomp and stance of the season, we see you. And for those of you who just want to be wrapped up, (laughs) snuggled up in your weighted blanket or in your full body Snuggie, (laughs) watching Netflix, okay? Listen, Yes. catching up on Sanctified, whatever you need to do. You can be multiples because I love a good Snuggie. It's giving Sanctified Snuggies. Y'all need to have your people call our people, okay? (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) So it just goes to show that no matter where you are, who you are, where you go, what y'all do, ultimately, it's about you and being with the people who love you best. Remember, beloved, you're worthy and we love you. You're worthy. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. One of my gifts is claircognizance. So it's really just intuitive knowing the gut people may call it or your intuition Mm -hmm. but my ancestors speak to me through that knowing they have ideas pop into my head that I know aren't mine Mm -hmm. but that I accept they're my friends they're my family (laughs) they are literally my family I have a team of people around me who love me I know it's because of a whole bunch of dead people I am who I am because of them 
This is Sanctified, the Littest Church service where hot girls and holiness align. And we are your hosts. I'm Deborah Joy Winans. I'm a wife, a mother, an actor, but most importantly, I'm a lover. And I'm LaVon Briggs, Emmy Award winner, joy chaser, and a Queens girl. And when my old church asked me to wear stockings, I bought fishnets. And this is the kind of church that rocks with the Megan the Stallions just as much as the Mahalia Jacksons. On Sanctified, we center the testimonies of sisters who are figuring out their faith authentically. And we're going to ruffle some of the saints' feathers, y'all. But we will always leave you feeling affirmed and loved. You ready, LaVon? Let's go get them. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Sanctified. Today, we are asking the questions. One in particular, is there room for the ancestors at the altar? Child, not only is there room, they there already. <laughs> so here's the thing. First and foremost, we got to talk about the difference between worship and veneration. Mm. Because sometimes a lot of people refer to this practice as ancestor worship. And that freaks some of us out. Yeah. Because we think worship, that's idolatry. But to venerate means to honor or Mm. revere or lift up. Yes. That's totally different. That's very different. Okay, so so that makes me think of, don't laugh at me, but the movie Coco. Why would I laugh um, at you? I love Coco. It was amazing. Coco in that movie. Coco, Coco was that girl. So I knew nothing about the Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And so as I saw it begin to unfold in Coco, at first, initially, I was thinking, oh, Lord, Jesus, what they doing? <laughs> <laughs> right. But then as I saw what it meant to them, I was like, oh, They are honoring their ancestors. Exactly. They are honoring the people that came before them, Mm -hmm. the the people on whose shoulders they stand, the people who have made and laid a foundation for them. It was so much honor and love and respect in Mm -hmm. it. And I said, oh, so there are things that I just did not have a true understanding of that. If you look at it from the outside, you're like, mm, what is that? What's is that going on? Mm-hmm. But no, if you actually take a moment to learn what it is Hello. and what it represents, mm-hmm. you have a better understanding and more of an honoring of it. Exactly. So when my paternal grandfather passed away, his children put on what's called a nine night service. Mm. And we all at the time were Episcopalian child. So, you know, we in a church sit, stand, kneel, doing whatever. Uh-huh. But on the ninth night after he transitioned, we had a big party. It was a big dinner party. And we had a chair with a plate for my grandfather set aside for him in his memory. So wow. I didn't have the language ancestor veneration, but that's exactly what it was. Yeah. And come to find out that's a tradition in many West African cultures in which we're ushering the deceased loved one back into the spiritual realm. Wow. It's like, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being here. You're free to go. Take your rest. Mm. I had zero understanding of that. Really? Zero. Did you do Black history trivia when you were in school? Oh, sure. Listen, remembering Harriet Tubman, Malcolm X, 
You just don't have the right name for <laughs> that's it. That's just not you what we call it. call it. But that's what it was. Yeah. And that's the thing about Black folks. We have what's called African retention, meaning that there are things in us that are African, even if we don't call it that. Mm. And I think because in society and in the Black church, in some mm-hmm. Black churches, we've demonized anything that's African. We don't associate with it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, somebody catching the Holy Ghost. Yeah. That's spirit possession. Speaking in tongues, running around the church counterclockwise. We call that a praise break. But our ancestors did all of that. It's the same thing, just a different name. Oh, we are about to, (laughs) we're about to free some people up in here. The beautiful part of this is that it's a journey. Yeah. And honoring our ancestors is already a part of our faith journey. Yeah. When we're talking about ancestor veneration, it's not new to us, even Black Christians. Ancestor veneration is all throughout the Bible. Can you think of some examples, DJ? The begats. Hello. Because it's a lot. It's a lot of begats. It's a lot of begats, but it is a remembering and a telling and a honoring. Mm-hmm. That's very true. The God Even of fun. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham yes. ain't alive. Isaac ain't alive. Also, Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, Hagar, the women were there too. Praise the Lord. Yes. But even in Hebrews 11, where it talks about you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Mm -hmm. As black Christians, why is it okay for us to honor biblical ancestors, but not honor our ancestors Mm. whose blood is literally coursing through our veins? Mm. Like when I look in the mirror, I don't necessarily see Deborah the judge, but I see Norma Yvonne Osborne my maternal grandmother. Yeah. So the connections are there. I just think we get to give ourselves permission to lean into it if we feel called to that. This makes me think about my grandfather. When he was born, he just had his mother's last name, Mm. Glenn. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I think him and my grandma had their first two kids. It was either the first two or four. And I say first two or four because the third pregnancy she had were twins. It was oh. my dad and my uncle Marvin. Okay. So it was either the first two or four. But when they had their children, their last name was also Glenn. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather had a vision. He, it, it, it was something where he felt strongly that mm. God was telling him, honor your father. Even though his father wasn't in his life, mm. he knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And his father's last name was Winans. Mm. So honor your father and I will bless your children and generations to come. Wow. And so he changed his name. Right. His wife's name. The kids he had at the time changed all their names to Winans from Glenn. And the rest is history. And look at y'all now. That sounds like something straight out of the book of Genesis. That story right there. <laughs> it really, really does. <laughs> I will change your name and I will make you bountiful in the land. <laughs> your voice will be bountiful in the land land because that's what the Hebrew Bible guy sounds like in my head. Oh my god! No, but you bring up a very good point about names Mm. and naming and the cultural and familial and generational legacies and relevance that that has. Because when we go back to when our ancestors were enslaved via the transatlantic slave trade, colonizers taught our ancestors that everything about our culture was bad. They Mm -hmm. would separate people from the same tribe so that we couldn't communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. If you Mm -hmm. take away language, if you strip us of language, you strip us of connection. And if you're stealing us from our homeland, you're ripping that connection to the land. And so 
the only thing we could communicate with was spirit. Yeah. We had our Mm. bodies. We had our cries, our moans, our groans. And so if we could hold on to anything through that great ordeal, it was going to be, let me remember where I come from. Let me remember my people. Let me remember our traditions. And so that studying names, studying ancient African languages, that's a part of a spiritual practice. The spiritual practice is so vast. And I think that we have had such a limited understanding of what that is. And so I'm learning today. I'm growing today. And I'm excited to understand the spirituality that Black women in particular possess and how Mm. we have used it, not even knowing or understanding that we have. Talk about it. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, I think for Black women, we think that operating in our gifts is just what we do, not realizing it's a gift. Like Mm -hmm. our intuition Mm -hmm. is a gift. Some people will call it the Holy Spirit or Mm -hmm. your gut feeling, Mm -hmm. right? But there are these sensory, sensual gifts that we have. And I think that's why colonized religion tries to disconnect us from our bodies. Because if we're Mm. in our bodies, we're going to be tuned in and tapped in. And that makes us powerful. Oh, absolutely. systems don't like powerful women. But if we can recall, right, that we've been doing this. We've been Mm -hmm. doing this at the beauty salon. Mm -hmm. We've been doing this at brunch. Absolutely. We've been doing this at grandma's house. And didn't have a clue that we were taking these spaces and making them sacred, spiritual places Mm -hmm. to use our gifts to be free, to grow. Right. Every time I go to the salon, I am... Look, there's everything that you need at the salon. Okay. And you walk out of there feeling a release, feeling a rejuvenation. Right. To be able to do what it is you have to do. Right. You can't tell me black women's hair is not a part of our faith formation and our spiritual aptitude. Saturday nights, getting your hair pressed Mm -hmm. to get ready for Mm -hmm. church, especially Mm -hmm. don't let it be Easter Sunday. Don't let it be Resurrection Sunday. Putting them rollers in with that little grease. Hot. Come, come on, Dad! Burning, burning that hair. Come on, <laughs> your mother ain't Mommy, nowhere. You ear. You your mother ear. ain't nowhere near your ear. <laughs> Just jumping, shoulders hunched, child. What's going on? Look, but those are the cues, right? That yeah. show our hair. We are the only population that had to have legislation passed for us to wear our hair to work the way it grows out of our scalp. You can't tell me black women's being is not powerful and divine, right? And what I love about this moment in time is that we have so many artistic representations of our faith and our spirituality in film. I'm thinking about Black Panther. I'm thinking about The Woman King. I'm thinking about Beyonce's Lemonade album where she was walking us through some African spiritual traditions. I mean... Even I think it was a Grammy Awards performance where she was portraying herself in the image of the African deity Oshun, who is a goddess of sensuality Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. beauty, but also a warrior. I remember the saints were on the timeline. What is this? This is evil. This is demonic. Do you remember that? Oh, absolutely. Child. And it's easy for them to call anything they don't understand demonic Mm -hmm. instead of looking for understanding looking for interpretation looking for information and and recognizing that dreams visions movements a lot of times you may not have the gift of interpretation Mm -hmm. wasn't it Potiphar who kept Mm -hmm. having these dreams 
and visions and nobody could interpret. Right. They had to go get Joseph. Right. To interpret because he had the gift. He did. And so a lot of times if we don't have the gift of being able to interpret or understand, then we just decide it's a demon instead of making space for it being a creation of God. Exactly. And that's the thing. People think that if it doesn't say Jesus the Christ, that it's automatically demonic. But there is so much more to the spiritual realm than just Jesus. And I know this is going to push some of y'all's theology and I want you to stay with us, okay? But just think of Catholicism with saints and angels, right? Think of how we ask for our spirit guides or our deities to watch over us. Like there are so many ways to look at our faith that were extracted from us culturally Mm -hmm. Because of European colonization, like our ancestors on the continent of Africa knew God before the colonizers brought their white Jesus. Yes. And what switched the game for me at my big age of 27 years old when I was in seminary (laughs) was learning that Jesus was African. Mm hmm. So when I was like, well, if Jesus was African, then that means he had an African mama and African aunties. And what were they learning? Mm-hmm. What were they seeing? Mm-hmm. What were their rituals? Mm-hmm. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And so that's been a really poignant learning space for me. I think it's important to know that they did have them. Mm-hmm. They had rituals. They had things that they did, things mm-hmm. that brought them closer together. What do we have to lose if we just... Open our minds and understanding to how we communicated mm. before all of this other stuff. Girl. Because there was communication. Hello. There was an understanding. There was Come a on. movement. There was a shift. Come on. And so what are we truly going to lose by understanding what that is? I mean, the way our ancestors talk through drums, through lyrics to songs Negro spirituals, uh-huh. some of us call them a hum, a rock, yes, groanings and utterances. Yes. Come on, somebody. You know what? We got the perfect person here to help us talk about decolonizing our faith. Yes, we so do. So let's get to our testimony service. Today's testifier is very near and dear to my heart. She is my sissy poo, Juju Bay. <laughs> she is a spiritual organizer, a conjurer, a hoodoo. You'll learn more about that in a second. She's an artist. She sings, she writes, she raps. I know she probably don't want y'all to know that, but that's tea, okay? And she's also the host of A Little Juju Podcast, which is the podcast all about Black-ass spirituality. And the story of how she found her calling is nothing short of inspiring. And honestly, truly, I will testify that I would not be sitting here today if it were not for Juju Bay. Wow. I'm a witness. Wow. Let's hear from her now. My name is Juju Bay, and this is my testimony. I was born and raised Catholic, actually, in Baltimore. And there's a pretty large Black Catholic population in Baltimore City. And in eighth grade, I remember very vividly all of my friends preparing for confirmation. You get a new dress. You change your name. It's really a whole ritual. And I was like... I'm actually not going to confirm. And my family was like, you know, because you're supposed to confirm. Like, this is what you do. You went through the Holy Communion, went through all these rites, and now you're not going to confirm as Catholic. And it was a really difficult time for me with my family because 
you just don't go against the grain spiritually. In 2013, I read a book called Interiors by Iyanla Van Zandt. <laughs> and it was about her healing journey. But there was one page in this book where she talked about growing up and having a space in her home where her grandmother used to have pictures of deceased family members and it would be a candle right there and her grandmother would go and talk to us sometimes her grandmother would leave out offerings like a cup of coffee right by the pictures and I'm in my dorm room in Spelman College at the time and on the side of my desk I put some pictures up a little candle and a glass of water and I wasn't necessarily praying or doing anything I just felt like I had to take care of my ancestors for some reason. In maybe 2017, I was in graduate school to be a psychologist. And one day I had a very intense and traumatic dream about, it showed just the day in the life of one of my ancestral mothers and the trauma that she went through that was extremely violent. I woke up from that dream so shook so I go to school and I tell my professor that day what I saw with my ancestors. And she was like, you are in school to learn about healing and how to help all these outside people. But how have you affirmed and healed the people that you come from? So she takes me to the librarian in the school. She put together my family tree in like a month. And she was like, I want to help you figure out who's trying to talk to you. And I dropped out of my graduate program and dedicated my life to learning more about ancestral religions, my people, and tapping in spiritually and helping others do the same. One night in 2021, around 10 p.m., where my grandmommy, that's what I call her grandmommy, is normally asleep at this time. So I see her name come up on my phone and I'm thinking, oh no, is everything okay? So I answer, I'm like, hey, grandmommy. She's like, hi. I'm like, are you okay? She's like, yes, I'm fine. I just need to talk to you about something. She says that God has been showing her a dream and she just had the dream for the third time. And because she saw it three times, she needs to tell me. She starts off saying, I just called to let you know that I know what you're doing. And I want you to know that it's good. God told me and showed me people coming to you very sick. And once you spoke to them or laid hands on them, they were well. You are not demonic. God said that you are different than the rest of the people in this family. And it is good. I am proud of you. And you remind me of my mother. She had the gift to, we don't talk about it, but she did at this point. I'm bawling because being a healer is difficult. Sometimes going against the grain can be difficult. You know, you just feel like people won't be accepting. And for my grandmother, who was like my best friend, who is a very strong, powerful Christian woman who has been in the church for a long time to affirm me and my work in that way was the only affirmation I feel like I ever needed to know that I'm in the right place and I'm doing the right thing. I had a calling over my life <laughs> to do this work. So it feels amazing to do this work because I know I'm not just healing myself. I'm healing generations behind and prayerfully generations ahead of me. My name is Juju Bay and that is my testimony. Ooh. 
I've got chills, LaVon. Mm. Y'all, we're going to talk to Juju Bay right after this. Juju Bay to everybody else. Welcome <laughs> to Sanctify. We're so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. Thank y'all for opening the space for yes, me. Yes. Thank you for being present. And in your testimony, thank you for being so honest. I know it's really going to resonate deeply with people who have stood at a crossroads and were like, all right, which, which way we going? Mm-hmm. And let's just chart the new path. So for people who aren't familiar with you, how do you describe what you do? Simply, I talk to dead people. Okay. If, if that was just one, you know, sentence that's kind of shocked people, I talk to dead folks. But really what it is, is that I offer alternative ways to engage with spirit that maybe we didn't learn, but you feel connected to in some way. And reminding folks that we come from a long lineage of different spiritual traditions and practices that still matter today, that are still relevant and that people still practice. And so there's so many options spiritually that people have. And so I'm kind of reminded, particularly black people like, yo, we have all these things just so you know, we got all these things, y'all. I'm just telling y'all offering it and letting people decide what they want to do with it. Yeah, I love that. Were you nervous when you started feeling this pulling and started to come into sort of recognizing what it was? Were you nervous at all? Oh, I was terrified. Yes, (laughs) I was terrified. Not I I was already gifted. I knew I had the gift. I knew I had certain kinds of dreams. But I think when I felt the pull to be public about it and share Mm -hmm. that information and knowing that my family may find out and, you know, I have to kind of explain myself when people ask me, well, what do you do? Like, how Mm -hmm. do you what you doing over there? How do you make money? (laughs) So, yeah, I think that was terrifying. But it was more I was more afraid to not do it than I was to do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I knew I had to move forward. And you're using words like spirit that might be new to some of our listeners. Mm -hmm. Like earlier, I was telling DJ that Jesus is a part of like the spiritual tribe. So there's like God and Jesus and ancestors and, and, and. So do you identify as spiritual, religious? What, how does that work for you? I identify as spiritual and religious. I think that Mm -hmm. I have multiple religions. I have Mm -hmm. multiple beliefs and multiple systems that I pull from that make sense to me. So that's my spirituality. But I also follow particular religions and what they may require or ask of me. So in that way, I would say I'm not just pulling things out of the air and being like, okay, I'm spiritual. (laughs) Like, no, I I follow traditions that are very old, but I just may pull from different ones. So I I would say I'm both. Yeah. I identify as multi-faith. I think faith Mm. is what we believe. I think spirituality is how we express what we believe. Mm. And religion is a framework or a system, if you will. Yeah. So one of the frameworks you had was growing up Catholic. Mm-hmm. And your grandmother is part of the holiness Pentecostal tradition. Sure Come is. on, holiness is still right. <laughs> <laughs> so what part of these religions have you kept, if any? And mm. how do they serve you in your life and the work you do? I think... That I've kept a little piece of all of the traditions and religions that I've had and and even grew up in. Growing up Catholic, there's a lot of ceremony. There's a lot of ritual. It's lighting mm-hmm. candles. It's praying. It's the saints. It's the saints. You know, like the that, cherub. Right. I, I grew <laughs> up praying to a particular saint so I could find things. Mm-hmm. So I know what it's like to go to other 
spirits or deities that are outside of Jesus and God. Like, let me call St. Anthony because I lost my keys and then I find my keys. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So those things are very similar to how I have different deities now within African traditional religions. I can call on a deity for a certain thing to help me. So that is something that I think Catholicism honestly groomed me in that particular way. Mm. And when it comes to holiness and even growing up being Baptist as well at one point, I think the emotive way that Black people express themselves in the church is something that is very old. It is very Black. Mm, yeah. It is very mm-hmm. ancient. Yep. Something that is very expressive and powerful in that movement of spirit through your body. That is not, you know, Christianity didn't create that, 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 that been existed. Mm-hmm. So I think seeing that as well in church, not in the Catholic church, no, we was real quiet and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and saintly. But in those other spaces, yeah, I, I held on to that emotive way to express myself and allow spirit to move through my body. Mm-hmm. How would you describe your relationship with your ancestors? What does that sound like to you when they speak to you? Mm-hmm. And how does that feel? Mm-hmm. One of my gifts is claircognizance. So it's really just intuitive knowing the gut people may call it or your intuition Mm -hmm. but my ancestors speak to me through that knowing they have ideas pop into my head that I know aren't mine Mm -hmm. but that I accept and our relationship is like they're my friends they're my family (laughs) they are literally my family I have a team of people around me who love me Mm. who I can look in the mirror and see their faces Mm -hmm. from their features how I talk what I do I know it's because of a whole bunch of dead people Mm -hmm. because I am who I am because of them so yeah, it feels like I have a, a strong team that is ready and willing to make things shape for me at any point. And I've seen how they've impacted my life in such an amazing way. And so it's just wonderful to have like family that I didn't know, but I know now. Mm-hmm. And that knowing that the relationship to someone that you may have lost doesn't have to change. I'm so glad that you said you're clear cognizant because I identify as clear audience. So the clairs are like the colonized way of talking about our spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who like smell something, you like, why I smell white diamonds? Nana passed in 97, Mm -hmm. but that was her, you know, that's her. Or like you vegan, you raw vegan, only sprouts and oats and bean sprouts. And all of a sudden you have a craving for some fried catfish. Like those, your senses being activated in that way is a divine connection. And so it's God. Maybe it's ancestors. I don't know. Juju, tell us, what is the differentiation between God and the ancestors for you? I say all the time to people, the ancestors are not God. (laughs) They are not God. They are one facet of the spiritual realm, which is vast. Mm -hmm. And it's one way that I connect to God, essentially. Mm -hmm. One way that I connect to that universal power or creator, whatever you want to call it. It is through my people. Maybe in Christianity, when it's like Jesus is sort of who you go to to connect to God, like Jesus Mm -hmm. is the one that speaks for you, more or less. It's kind of like your ancestors in my tradition. I would go to them. They stand up for me in the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. They speak on my behalf. They Mm -hmm. claim me. Like, whose person is that doing that in the world? My grandpa, my pop-pop is like, oh, that's my baby. Mm -hmm. And she doing this, and we want this to happen, and so we're going to do this work to make sure it happens. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it works. It is not God, though. I have a relationship to God as well, but Mm -hmm. I connect to God deeply through my people and through my ancestors because God is in all of us and it was in them too. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I loved in your testimony was how your grandmother called you mm-hmm. without you even saying anything yeah. and just knew I know what you're into and it's good. Mm-hmm. When you became a healer, mm-hmm. what was that process and did 
your grandmother have anything to do with how you learned? Or did she spark anything to continue to help push you forward? Before she knew or after she knew? I would think after she knew, but I don't know. Okay. I don't think so. I think my grandmother calling me and saying, I saw you in a dream three times. And Mm -hmm. the third time, the Holy Spirit told me that I had to tell you that I see what you're doing. (laughs) And it's not demonic and it's good. I think that was the help. That was what I needed. Mm. I didn't need anybody else's affirmation. Mm. No company, no organization, no mm. other person. No, My grandmother saying she saw me fully yeah. was all I needed to know that I'm in alignment with my destiny. Mm. Yeah. If Elistine sees me, <laughs> I'm good. So that was the help. That was the support. That's all I needed from her. After that, we haven't really talked about it, to be honest. It's kind of was like, I told you this. You know what it is. All right, when I'm going to see you again? Like, mm-hmm. I love that you bring up, DJ, this intergenerational healing mm-hmm. that happens. And that's one of the most beautiful parts of my ancestral veneration journey is that I was able to create a bond with my maternal grandmother that I've never met. <sighs> But beyond that, learning that there are beings in the ancestral realm who never materialized on Earth mm-hmm. yeah. was helpful for me. And this is a content warning for pregnancy laws that I was able to connect with the soul that returned back to the ancestral realm through ancestral veneration. Mm-hmm. And I remember communing with the spirit and the spirit was like, don't cry, mommy. It's OK. And so understand that this connection is not just about the people who lived on earth and died, but those who never made it through the passage. Mm -hmm. And so that's been a very healing balm for me. And I bring that up because I never would have had that moment of healing if it weren't for Juju Bay's ministry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think she would use that word, but, you know, as a healer, Juju, you see your work when people tell you that their lives are changed. But what did your process look like of becoming a healer? It's obvious you're so effective. How did you mm. learn? Who did you learn from? I learned from life, I think. <laughs> I mean, of course, there's different classes. You know, I'm certified in Reiki, which is a form of energy healing that mm-hmm. I had to, you know, go to those classes and everything. But generally, I think I learned how to be a healer because in a lot of ways, I felt so unhealed by life. Like I have Mm. a lot of trauma. I've experienced Mm. a lot of trauma, like many of us. Mm -hmm. And I think those, what I needed in those moments was who I try to be. Mm -hmm. I try to embody that when I needed love in moments, I didn't get love or safety Mm -hmm. or someone to believe me or someone to support me. And so I just took my life lessons and applied them. And that's kind of it. You know, it's no cheat code. It's just, <laughs> you know, you live life and you're like, I do not want this to happen to someone else yeah. uh, in this way. That's heavy. Mm-hmm. That's heavy. The work that you do is heavy. Is there any sort of boundary or sort of safeguard that you have in place to kind of keep from spiritual exhaustion? Mm-hmm. Yes, I used to be a full-time reader. I used to be a full-time ancestral healer. So people would come to me and they want to connect with their ancestors. They want to know what their ancestors are thinking and feeling. And I would Mm -hmm. share that information with them full-time. I do that four times a week now Mm -hmm. on two days. 
I do not need to talk to all of these dead people from so many different lineages, <laughs> particularly black people, particularly African-American people. Yeah. We got some spirits that have a lot going on and yeah. had a lot of trauma and had a hard life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they are going to come through and tell you about mm-hmm. it and show me and, and show you. It was too much for me to see sometimes. Yeah. So I think I love to heal folks through connecting them with their ancestors and also heal ancestors, but also have to keep up a boundary with the dead because they will come through in your dreams. They'll start popping up. You start <laughs> smelling people's stuff. It's somebody else's ancestors. It's not even mine. Wow. Someone from a reading. It's a lot. So there's there's definitely spiritual safeguards and rituals that I have to do to kind of close that portal, that that gap that mm. exists. Yes. Thank you for your service because niggas be wilding in this realm on earth. Okay, okay. so... <laughs> And the ancestors, I'm telling you, a hundred times worse. It's way more them. They be wilding. I can only imagine. They be wilding. Y'all know y'all be trying to decline them calls and duck people when you at the mall. Look, this is such rich ground. And I know that this is activating something in many of our listeners. So, Juju, what is your advice to Black women who feel called to become healers or even to communicate with or honor their ancestors, but maybe have felt guilty or ashamed of it. What would you say to them? If you feel called to be a healer, you are a healer. We all have the capacity to heal. Mm -hmm. We have healed ourselves. We have healed somebody else from a word, a smile, or something, you know, more intentional. So you already are a healer. Mm -hmm. The second thing I would say is that if you feel the call, just Do it in your time and in your pace. You Mm. don't have to go and set up an altar and then start calling on names (laughs) and doing rituals and wearing all white, putting head wraps on. You can, but that's not for everybody. You probably have already done some form of ancestral veneration. If you've ever been to a funeral, you honored Mm. the dead already. Mm. If you've ever named your child after someone who passed, you've already done it. You're already Mm. doing it. So see the work that you do as I am venerating my ancestors Mm -hmm. maybe you could be more intentional about it or you could name it that but start there you don't don't feel like you have to rush and grab the crystals and buy all the things that's i think where a lot of people mess up like you don't gotta do all that yeah they think it's one thing yeah they think oh if i'm this i have to have all this stuff and it's got to be all apart but recognize that you are already working in the gift yes you are already doing it you're in it and they're a part of you your ancestors are not separate from you quite literally like scientifically You're made up of a bunch of cells of people before you. Mm. So love on yourself. Like, how do you tend to your body? That's Mm -hmm. helping to tend to them. You know, even there's so many things, but really you don't have to look outside of yourself to connect. It's beautiful. And I think what's so lovely is that we don't have to walk around feeling guilt and shame because someone else may not understand the gift that we have. Yes. Mm. It's not always for them. Nope. Without a vision, people perish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you have to have the vision. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be plain to everybody else as long as it's plain to you. Yep. That's and it. you move in that. They'll follow. Yeah. They'll figure it out. And, you know, another interesting thing that I've seen in people's journeys is that when they start to talk about ancestor veneration or their spiritual gifts of healing, that it's not always that the other people think is demonic is that you're reminding them of their gifts that Mm. they have repressed or turned away from. Cause I remember confessing to my mom like a year or two ago, I was like, yeah, mom, I'm clear audience. Like I hear things. She was like, Oh yeah. I used to see stuff all the time when I was little. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? They always be saying stuff like that. Why why have we never talked about this before? Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, it's because it's it's you you're made to feel shameful right. or feel like that's not of God. Right. So mm-hmm. keep that to yourself. Pray on it. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I really, as I told the listeners earlier, and I was telling Levon, I am sitting here as a student learning, mm. and I'm really in awe of you and how you do what you do without a fear of what anybody else may feel. You understand exactly who you are and what your capacity is. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself is something amazing to me because a lot of times black women don't recognize their capacity. Mm -hmm. They don't understand the boundaries that they need up. And to hear how well you know what you can take, what you can't take, what you're willing to do, what you won't do, and all of the things that surround your gift with such grace and poise and clarity is very i am inspired you i appreciate that and i will also add i am afraid Mm. i'm so fearful i'm not doing this work not afraid i'm very afraid but i do it anyway Mm. because i know what is over my life Mm. and that's it i'm afraid (laughs) but i'm gonna do it because i know who i am and god wrote it in his plan for me okay look In the words of Reverend Dr. Wow. Melva Sampson, do it scared. Do it scared. Well, I could never tell. Mm. Mm. I, I think it's that. beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Thank beloved. Thank you so you. much. It was wonderful. Yay. We are so grateful to Juju Bay for spending time with us today. Stay tuned because the offering is up next. It is offering time up in the Sanctify building, y'all. But leave your wallet and your purse because we do offering time differently here. So we are offering you words of inspiration, affirmation, and most importantly, some love. So I want to start just by giving you permission, beloved to lean into ancestor veneration. Ancestor veneration is not demonic, is not evil. You've been doing it. So if you feel called, get you an altar. It don't got to be all deep. You know, if you save funeral programs and you put them up on a bookshelf or on a table, like that's an altar child. So start small. Start with what you have and just start talking to them the way that you talk to the people who are alive in your life. And doing this is a form of Mm -hmm. honoring. It is honoring who you are. It is honoring where you come from. It is honoring those that came before you. I say all the time, man, I wish my granddad heard this. I wish my granddad saw this. And I think of him often. And when I think of him, I now know through this amazing conversation that it's not demonic to call on him. I am honoring the relationship that I had. I am honoring Mm -hmm. what he did on this earth. I am honoring what he put in my dad that was put in me that allows me to be who I am. So if some things caught you off guard, okay, but start small. Start by recognizing that you can honor the people that came before you. You can honor the people you've lost. You can honor the people that didn't fully make it Mm. here. With mm-hmm. love, respect, and then just let God move you from there. Because mm-hmm. 
for those of us who identify as Christian, to be Christian means to be Christ-like. Jesus is not walking the earth right now. And so Jesus is an ancestor. And so we honor his life. We study his life. We try our best to live like him. He was, in my theological imagination, a North African revolutionary refugee liberator, right? So that's how I live my life with that kind of Christ consciousness. (laughs) And so Jesus also pointed us to our ancestors. And so know that it's not about being a Christian or honoring your ancestors. You can do both. You can be Buddhist. You can be Muslim. You can be Baha'i, whatever. It's more about the practice than saying, this is an allegiance to my faith, right? It's a part of it. It's not the whole thing. Yeah. When you're open, I believe God will give you the understanding that you need to move forward in your life and your destiny. Amen. Well, that's our show for today, y'all. That was a juicy one. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining our sanctified service today. Be sure to come back next week to get even more sanctified and bring a friend. And bring a friend. Or two. You can follow us on Spotify and let us know what you want us to talk about. Email us at sanctified at unbotherednetwork.com. That is sanctified at unbotherednetwork.com. We want to hear from you. And remember, beloved ones, you are worthy. Peace. (laughs) Sanctified is a Spotify original series produced in partnership with Jamel Hill's Unbothered Network. Lodge Freeway Media, and Exit 39. Hosted by Deborah Joy Winans and LaVon Briggs. From Unbothered Network, Lodge Freeway Media, and Exit 39, executive producers are Jamel Hill and Evan Dick. Head of content for Unbothered is Christina Tapper. Head of network operations is Rich Burner. Creative producer is Ashley J. Hobbs. From Spotify, executive producer is Christina Tapper. Creative executive is Grace Delia. Senior Program Manager is Jessica Dow. And Program Manager is Jenna Lonergan. Special thanks to all the cross-functional teams at Spotify that helped bring this program to life. This episode includes original music produced by Cheyenne G. New episodes of Sanctified come out every Wednesday, only on Spotify. So be sure to hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. <laughs>